0: Around the NFL podcast
2: It's the weakest link Goodbye Uh oh, welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room Filled with heroes Mark Zessler, Greg Rosenthal And joining us
3: once again Patrick Claibon, what's up boys? Salutations Dan <laughs> we've, we've made it 11 weeks Oh my gosh Ah!
2: We've done it. We've done it. That is Matt Money Smith's um, money tag today. Perfectly timed because it's finally upon us, listeners. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter. This has been something we've been talking about offline for some time. When does Ricky Hollywood's uh, guest appearance on the NBC game show, The Weakest Link, finally premiere? And we found out the answer during Monday Night Football. My wife... Uh, was watching uh, the show with her parents, and there it is, the promo at the end of the app, Ricky Hollywood. And I want to bring in Ricky a second. Hey, Ricky. Okay, I just got to tell you something. First of all, very excited. Monday night, set your DVRs, watch live, whatever. Forget about Monday Night Football uh, next week. It's all about Ricky Hollywood. I asked you to cut three things from that that brief promo (laughs) that I am going to be completely honest with you, Ricky, I'm nervous about. Okay. Okay. And you've done a good job with the the uh, non-disclosure agreement. Um, uh, we are being completely honest when we say that Erica was told not to say how the show went. We don't know how the show went. But we got some breadcrumbs here from the promo. So I'm going to play. Uh, ask you to play three. First, pl- first, let's hear from Jane Lynch, the host of The Weakest Link. Here's one clip from her.
1: Well, this is what happens when you vote off all the smart people. <laughs> okay. Mm. I don't know if that dog was part of the yeah, problem, but what
4: the the canine suddenly. I mean, I think it was the dog. Like the dog was proving the point there. Yeah, they're talking to, to, to a Lynch's different point. audience. <laughs> all right, so the line. Let's hear that line again. Sorry.
1: Well, this is what happens when you vote off all the smart people. Okay,
2: okay. that's a breadcrumb, that, Clavon, That qualifies as a breadcrumb that is disturbing on some level. Uh, perhaps not as disturbing as the second Jane Lynch breadcrumb that's dropped. Let's hear that.
1: Is it too late to get new contestants?
2: Okay, now now there's now now there's real cause for concern, and, and finally, Erica, she, we hear from Ricky very briefly in the promo, and I'd like to say it doesn't connect dots with the Jane Lynch teasers in the promo, but I'd be lying. This is terrible. What was that, Erica? This is terrible. I don't think it went well. well, Patrick. Am I reading into this wrong? Am I being uh, too negative?
3: Uh, yes, I, I do think you are. The, the show takes a very deprecating tone, uh, especially right. the promotions uh, to the show. They, they want to hit you, uh, you, know, set you up and then give you the de- dead leg and cut it back uh, and get towards the end zone. Or the you know the, the touchdown area, if you will. The touchdown and, area, and I think I, I think that things went well. Uh, honestly, mm. I, I do. In the TV promotions world, I'm looking forward to Monday. I think we've got some good things in store.
1: I feel like you kind of need a translator for uh, Jane Lynch. Like isn't her role she's meant to come on and be sort of smarmy and like firing yeah. arrows at people? So what does it really mean? That said, um, it would be a bit of a surprise if Erica fared well based on what you've called their Dan.
2: <laughs> I and mean, she sounds fairly i know part of the role of being the host the old british bird that had the gig before uh oh, she, was, british she bird. was she was sardonic as well but uh i don't know Ricky i just i hope things went well i'm looking forward to it we're all gonna be watching uh and it, it syncs up nicely with our a tuesday edition of the podcast next week to unpack it but uh how are you feeling knowing that your life may may very well change uh in 72 to yeah, dollars.
1: I'm ready for the public to see what actually happened. Um, you know, it, did they pick the greatest, you know, Screenshot to show me in this promo, <laughs> no. Um, but you know what? I think like I can handle some adversity. And um, someone tweeted at me like, "Oh, the camera doesn't add twenty pounds; it adds twenty years." So I was like, "Why would you say that out loud?" <laughs> that's mm. so upsetting. But yeah, that's true. Yeah this this show has aged me, and it's it, it was
0: very a very very stressful experience.
1: Okay. I would say one one little breadcrumb, uh, you know, outside of the promo. Had Ricky gone on and won, you know, four hundred thousand dollars or something, would she have, you know, scooted over to a new apartment with like a crazy man and a frozen pizza five feet away? I think she would be up in the hills or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe the money's not landed. Well, we don't know. I don't know if this is the case or not, but I did have to sign something that you wouldn't get paid until one hundred fifty days from when your episode airs. All
3: right. Okay. So. Man, she's doing a really good job of, keep, of keeping us in the dark. I, I, I'm going to be honest here. And perhaps, you know, perhaps Erica could have been one of the people that was smart that got voted off, and maybe she was saying this is terrible because she did get voted off. Maybe Jane Lynch is, is caping for Erica Tamposi because she's amazing.
2: <laughs> uh, you know, your your doll of optimism is really welcome around these parts, Patrick Claibon. Um All right, yes, good show. It's going to be a good show when Ricky's on The Weakest Link. we got a good show on the Around the NFL podcast today. Much to get into. We're going to begin our look ahead to week 11. And we have an excellent, excellent week 11 matchup on Thursday night football. The Cardinals at the Seahawks. So we're going to talk about that game. Also, uh, Greg wrote a woozy banger. The old debrief. The old Rosenthal debrief. Talking about (laughs) teams who are have every right to be frustrated at this point in the season. I'll go through Greg's list and maybe throw in uh, a couple of our own that maybe didn't make Greg's list. Uh, but first, let us start, as we always do on this show, with the Monday Night Football recap. We have to. It's contractually obligated. Still get a first down on third and fourth. Cousins throwing, and it is caught! T- Touchdown. It's Adam Thielen for the second time tonight. And Minnesota jumps back on top. Mm. Sell it. <laughs> ESPN, Monday Night Football. That was the call from Steve Levy. Kirk Cousins throws two touchdowns both, as you heard, to Adam Thielen. The second, the difference in a 19-13 win over the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. A game where... The Bears dragged the Vikings down to their level, and it was a dark place. It is it is tough <laughs> to watch Chicago Bears football in 2020, and that is coming from a Jets fan, uh, Mark. First of all, congratulations on your lock. Uh, you sweated it out a little bit, I, I imagine,
1: uh, but you got your lock with the Vikings. But did you
2: learn anything about Minnesota in this game?
1: Hmm. You know what I learned about them? I mean, I like I think that our role when we are covering 32 teams. Is that you know you have to be flexible with early season impressions as the season goes along, and my impression of the Vikings um, continues to change. Uh, you know they were one in five. We've, we're all kind of one in five in 2020, and you, and you decide whether to kind of work out of that or sink deeper. And I think the Vikings have taken the high road here, and that was a you know that's, these divisional games in November um, when everyone's kind of feeling a little bit. A little bit used up. Um, I thought it was a tough win because if you look at what happened, they were swept by the Bears last year and, and the scored, year before, and the year before, and they scored 26 points in two games against the Vikings last year, 30 in 2018 or in 20, 2018. So. I think it's it's for them. It, um, your season remains alive because you got out of this. Dalvin Cook, who had been completely shut down against the Bears last season, uh, really the last three games against them, ninety six yards. It wasn't the typical Dalvin Cook game, but you know they. I felt like they could only win when Kirk Cousins is also throwing the ball. Um, you know, twelve thirteen times a game. He had to do a little bit more last night. It wasn't perfect, um, but you're always lucky to be playing a Bears offense that still thinks it's nineteen thirty one, and every week there's a new drama created and uh you know we can get into that but the vikings took care of business they're the better team so i'd rather at this time of year let's i don't care what the records are let's dispose of the junk i don't have any more time for the junk the vikings are proving <laughs> to be a little bit higher than that and so right on minnesota
4: yeah they they proved to me they were so much better than the bears and they they were a little unlucky you know i saw patrick's face the second this game's you know, recap started. He's like, oh, we got to talk about this game. I mean, poor Kirk Cousins. It's like the bar keeps changing. He finally plays a, a really good game on Monday Night Football against a really good opponent. Adam Thielen drops a pass uh, that turns into an interception on a perfect throw in the red zone, and his special teams is god-awful, giving up a kick return and terrible field position all day, or else they would have blown out uh, a good defense. His running game was terrible. He's 10 of 11 on third down for 149 yards and two touchdowns. And most of that's in third and long because, you know, the Vikings just refused to stop running Dalvin Cook for one and two yards on first down. They're going to use this guy up, giving him 30 carries a game. Sometimes you got to adjust to the game that's in front of you. But they probably did that because they thought, we don't really need to do much to beat this lousy Bears offense. And I suppose they were right on that. So uh, good for Kirk Cousins. You know, it's this is the team of Hans TL, the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> well, you, and you they're know, back I, in it.
2: Out there. Definitely back in it. I thought they had the chance to do it, and here they are. And when you saw you saw Claybon, Kirk Cousins is a guy that we all like to have our fun with. <laughs>
3: why is and, this me?
2: <laughs> well, no, I'm gonna I want to set you up here. I okay. want you to be able to chime in here. I'm doing a little host move there. Oh. Um but like Never Kirk Cousins is a guy we like to have fun with, and and that's why like when he completed that pass uh, to Kyle Rudolph uh, to clinch the game essentially late in the fourth quarter. I mean, that isn't as excited as I've ever seen Kirk Cousins, maybe next to his high school plays where he was singing uh, Oklahoma. Mm. And then you're like, why is he this excited? I know he just probably won the game. It didn't even run out the clock, but probably won it. And then you realize, like, Kirk Cousins is, is human. Kirk Cousins, as much as we say we're sick of talking about you know that Kirk Cousins can't win in prime time, and he's zero nine on Monday Night Football. He's sick of it too. So when he completes that pass, he's celebrating because another Kirk Cousins narrative went by the
3: wayside. Which, which Dan is an indictment of Kirk Cousins because literally Monday Night is the the, the games. The games count the same. It's a dumb narrative in the first place. <laughs> uh, a win on Monday is the same as a win on Sunday at one twenty five Eastern. It, it, it literally. Does not don't matter. Bring, don't
2: bring your Claybon logic into this again. It doesn't. It's a
3: game. It's a win. And and the same thing. I thought the same thing. Dan, there's a minute and 35 seconds to go when they get that first down to Kyle Rudolph. And I'm thinking the game's not over, Kirk. Like, it you got to
4: so you get so another first down. It was down. pretty over. It was pretty <laughs> well, he,
3: the thing is, like, so they're showing the graphic, which was the only uh, Monday Night Football uh, CG graphic that I've enjoyed all year the office space. That was uh, good. Homage. Right to Kirk Cousins' record on Monday night, but literally, like it, it it, it does. It, it there's no difference between winning well, either game way. They need to win this game. time or not, and, and it helped. Um, but as you guys mentioned, like the the Bears, um, they, they need a quarterback that can make plays. Uh, Matt Nagy needs a quarterback that can make plays, and so like whatever last night uh, was, a, a lot of it, as Greg mentioned, had to do with what the Bears uh, could not do on offense, and there was a point where there was a third down, the Vikings blitz in the A-gap, because that's Mike Zimmer, and that's what he's going to do. And it was one of those rare occasions where there was a short receiver to get the ball to, and Nick Foles bailed and threw some candle in the wind ball 20 yards out of bounds, and Anthony Miller was, like, wide open directly in front of him. Mm. And, and, like, I don't really know what the progression was on that play. I, I, honestly, I—, I To to be clear, I'm not some savant that knows much about anything in terms of the schematics of football, but I I just know uh, what we saw last night was not going to work. And to uh, Mark's point last night, I get that the people of Chicago care, and they should care. It's a franchise a lot of them grew up with. But for those of us who are watching this team, uh, that from the front office decisions and on down, they just keep making these mistakes. I don't know why we're so involved in a franchise. <laughs> too, much, too
4: many Bears. Yeah, too many it, bears it, it's,
3: it's just not that they're not doing anything. Like, congratulations on getting Eddie Jackson after he suffered all those injuries at Alabama and fell to you. Congratulations on trading uh, for a future Hall of Famer in Khalil Mack. Um, but if you, if you can't get guys open and you can't find a quarterback in an era where everybody seems to be on the verge of finding their quarterback... None of that stuff and, matters.
1: Yeah, there's I mean, only like there's really only a handful of teams that seem completely eyes wide shut to evolving in 2020. And you know you you have to assume they'll at some point realize it too. The Bears, my one thing with them is, and, and when we come at these teams, the first thing that happens is you get a pocket of the fan base saying, you know, don't don't be mean to my team. It's like actually what we're trying to do, and this is an old Westism is. We're not putting up with it, nor should you as fans, because the, I've been watching football since 1985, and the Bears have been the same team, essentially, <laughs> through that entire run. They've had four top ten offenses, offenses since 1991. Four. Rises that's that many? That's, well, I mean, you know, there's one or two years where that's occurred, and they're not like second or third. They're like tenth. They've been a defensive-oriented team that struggles to score points, I feel like, my entire life. Let's try a new path.
2: And here's the weird thing about Monday's game. The Vikings badly outplayed them in several facets, especially on defense. And Cordell, Cordell Patterson's kickoff return got them in the lead. The punt return later in the game put them in position again. And somehow, if Nick Foles just hits that pass to Anthony Miller, it should have been Bears 20, Vikings 19. And that's why I think the Bears, and for reasons that Mark just explained as well, are sneaky, um, I'm not saying pain rankings, but in terms of a frustrating fan experience.
1: I agree with you. For
2: sure. The Bears are are up there because they're not fun to watch. And then you have games like last night where it becomes just a a public execution by everyone that's just teeing (laughs) off about how boring and terrible your team is. It's got to get old.
4: Their their offensive line is so bad. I mean, it's it's part of it. So Foles combined with that offensive line, and they, they've been banged up and they've had COVID issues. I think we're, Mitchell Trubisky is coming out of the bye as their starter. Foles' wow. injury um, that he had at the end of the game is not as serious as uh, they feared, and it sounded like he was day-to-day and has a chance to be ready to play coming out of the bye. But um, on Monday, or Tuesday rather, Nagy said that they're, they'll look at everything, in cu- including a possible quarterback change. And when they say that, they always make the change. You've got to make right. a move. So if, they're sticking, right. if they were sticking with him, I think they would say so. They'll, maybe the injury will be an excuse. I don't well, think it really uh, it, matters. And by the
1: way, that game coming out of the bye is again on primetime against the Green Bay Packers. So, <laughs> oh you know, goodness. they are they are, they are are pushing into this. The NFL schedule makers, they've had some tricks up their
4: sleeves this year, and this trick is on us. I do um. like that Justin Jefferson had his moment. That dude is, I think, would be rookie of the year if, if um, they didn't allow... I think they should separate quarterbacks and other players in, in all these awards so that we could have, like, a Jefferson... Justin Jefferson versus Tristan Wirth's conversation or whatever, because Justin Jefferson is, like... I don't know if he's better than Stephon Diggs, but he's he's in that caliber right now. Like Reggae. as a I mean that's that's where he is as as like a top twelve receiver in the league right now, where Thielen is the clear number two and Jefferson's one. Like that's pretty amazing. We Reggae. could just get a we could get a Reggae. sponsor to pony yes. up po- oh yeah go ahead now oh i know no, where you're going already I mean, with this you're making the case for the offensive
2: player of the year well, well then Greg say you know.
4: quarterbacks <laughs> aren't eligible that is part of my problem is that a lot of times the, the same quarterback wins this both awards and then some other years it's like though they decide to spin it off into drew Brees or some running back or something as a consolation
1: part. well i mean justin jefferson could have maybe should have become a quarterback back in like 7th grade we Patrick, we could, to you deal saying, with this, yeah. this specific issue,
3: well, I, I think we should get a, pony, uh, a sponsor to pony up some more money, right, for the uh, all-pro rookie team, uh, so we mm. can give all of these guys a little more shine. And well, maybe we'll
4: give out the awards. We'll yeah, give the non-quarterback right. awards Let's use on your our show, uh, January third, <laughs> January third. Get ready. Yeah,
3: that's a great idea. Hey,
2: Ricky, uh, uh, this is one. This is the part of the show where I ask Ricky seriously to do some show pre-production work, and then she ignores it. Uh, Make a note of this, please. Uh, and bring it up to me after the season. We wanna do some type of rookie award show after the okay. regular season.
4: Cool. Or even me. like non quarterback awards too. Like some, let's give out some, some non quarterback. Let's give out some awards. Please make a note of it.
1: You got it.
2: Don't let me down.
1: I really I won't. <laughs> I can see her taking that note right now with a number two pencil (laughs) on a piece of paper.
2: She's watching YouTube cat videos as I'm talking. Um, uh, Let's give the last word in an annoying, dumb game uh, to John Perry.
3: Yeah, that is helmet to uh, contact to the helmet of the quarterback there with the right hand. Forcible contact. One of the things that happens when there's not a lot
2: of penalties in a game your mind gets lulled into this sleep and maybe you're not
3: processing things the way that you should that is a foul and we should have had a flag there to extend the drive you know (laughs) (laughs) that was
2: such a fitting like breakdown from the uh, rules official guy uh patrick
3: yeah you you can hear him trying to make a case right for apologizing for the officials not realizing that he's making a case for getting rid of officials just in general, <laughs> uh, because of their overall uselessness. Uh, uh. The, the idea that right that we are so bored of this game that we have no part in uh, that sometimes we forget to play our integral supposedly integral role in officiating the game. Uh, so we just kind of whatever we just kind of wing it, man. Sometimes I mean, if there's a, if there's a mad.
1: kickers club. And then there maybe is a zebras club for these officials. That's the kind of stuff you only talk about behind closed doors. You don't... Isn't, then yeah. John Perry go out and tell everyone that yeah. officials take plays off, quarters off, that they snooze mentally. You don't, that, like a, you don't reveal that. I felt yeah, like he
4: was trying to be human and and uh, no. he probably shouldn't have. I did, like, as someone who's a space cadet, like, doesn't your mind just sometimes wander, like, even when you're on, like, live TV? It's a problem, for sure. Yes, but that's and one of the reasons like, I'm not put on a lot of like, live oh, TV. And like, oh, wait, so. wait a second. Yeah, uh, I should but, be paying attention. But more. you're not
3: supposed to give the tour of the Sausage Factory, right? I do like that. <laughs> exactly. Remember
2: in the 90s when it was like a late 90s show on Fox and everybody was super pissed about it in the uh, magic world? This guy was like showing all the tricks, all the different <laughs> sleight-of-hand tricks and cutting the body in half with a saw trick. don't tricks. do that. And you don't do that. John no. Perry, this is not a Fox right. reality yeah. show. Come it's on It's the now.
3: prestige, man.
2: Alright. Good stuff. Let's never think about that game ever again. Um, Greg, I listen. I don't want to be confrontational here, Greg, but I really liked your debrief. The one thing I didn't like is that what? you allowed our uh, editorial team to use the HTML formatting of my power rankings when you ranked the eleven teams that should be oh, frustrated after Week Ten. That's mm.
1: out of bounds.
4: Um, I, I didn't just, know
1: that. I that's never kind actually of my look intellectual at them, my property.
0: Links.
4: Haven't they used that format though for years basically for like the shook quarterback rankings, the position rankings right but Greg, the, the once, top it,
1: once it's attached to a dan product, I have not, Dan's not going to consider yeah. what happened I have not checked so. that out
4: I didn't even know that I'm 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 glad they did that it really makes it like a ranking all right I mean <laughs> there
2: was a lot of there was a lot of explanations there. I will connect with Ali Bunpari to get to the bottom this list.
4: reminds me of when the previous um owner of the Power Rankings, called me into an office, um, set like an hour long meeting um, for this meeting and spoke to me for 45 minutes that he didn't want us to use the phrase positional Power Rankings because he sort of owned (laughs) the IP for Power Rankings. Yeah. Uh, After which I was like, why didn't you just like email me? It's like okay, <laughs> you just talked to me for. Ooh, I 45 think there were probably. Minutes of it. D-
1: I think there were deeper things happening there, Greg. I think. You I do don't. That too.
2: You know, I don't seem like such an ass anymore now, do I?
1: No, you're <laughs> second in that ranking. Folks, get right, low-key hey, today. hey,
4: Sesler, <laughs> simmer down over there. Why? I'm just. I oh, know like you're out- just a little. You. You're a little uh, fired up over there that's a good Angela. it's a good segue. I think this is the time of year people are a little they're a little ornery. It's like we haven't gotten to Thanksgiving yet. It's been a long season, but you're oh. not to like the stretch run and that's what that's what these rankings were about who who's the, who's ornery who's a little cranky who's who's pissed off like you know Lamar said he was pissed off. Uh, who else? Who did Peterson was like, I'm pissed off. Every Lafleur was, I'm pissed off. There was a lot of pissed I'm off. I'm pissed
2: off, there. Angelo. Let's, let's listen. The good way to get into this conversation, because you do have the Eagles at number one. And the Eagles are really, you know, 3-5-1. and one. They just got beat by the G-man. And Carson Wentz is a mess. And part of that goes on Eagles coach Doug Peterson. And then he goes on local radio. And he has to deal with this intro, which just boggles my mind. <laughs> Who do you blame the most for the Eagles' 10-point loss to the Giants? 72% coaching. (laughs) Head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson. Hi, Doug. Good morning, Angelo. Thanks for what? the lead-in. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I, that, that was just that the, was awesome. I know. That really that, hey, listen. That just puts me in a great mood today. <laughs> Doug, Already in a good mood. Oh it. Oh, I, I kind of felt you probably wouldn't be in a good mood. You Can I hang up now. <laughs> no, no, please don't, Doug. I, I'm, I'm I'm filling my obligation <laughs> well, right now. I hang up. I feel my obligation, Doug. I fully understand. I'm pissed off, Angelo. All right. What about Doug? I'm pissed off.
1: I love it.
4: I didn't even hear about this story. That no. is that is rough. Can you imagine? Can you how incompetent can you be bringing in the I'm coach pissed of the off team? Angelo. Oh, what was that, Doug?
0: I'm, I'm pissed off, Angelo.
2: <laughs> I get it. I'm with
1: you, Doug.
4: Yeah, he he has I'm every right to be. Because he's like an employee there ultimately. They're pay you know, he's working for that radio yeah. station with Well and
1: this sort of smarmy like, you know, viewers poll on what they're most annoyed by.
4: Yeah, and, and the idea they don't know what they're running before the
3: head coach of the Philadelphia the, Eagles comes on the show like, the, the like Zoom, shut up.
4: Yeah, the Zoom meetings between the Eagles, and this is this happened with Andy Reid <laughs> too. Um I, can't I think get over that. when they're losing, man. It the, the reporters in Philly really get into they get into the the coaches you know what a little more aggressively than any than just about anyone else. But, Maybe but New here's
3: York. here's the deal: if you're going to do that, then then own up to it. Don't be like, oh, right. I'm sorry, coach. Right. That we just we only have so many things to interest. No, like be a jerk if you're going to be a jerk. It's got one yep. Super Bowl yeah. and yeah. Nick Foles is the starting quarterback. Like <laughs> let's, let's be real, man.
2: Be I'm good. pissed off, Angelo. Yikes. Anyway, you have the Eagles at number one, uh, Greg. <laughs> why do yeah. they? Why do they stand out above all other teams <sighs> in terms of who should be frustrated right now?
4: Yeah, well, we we don't have to go too long because we've we've talked so much. But I think it's because they're stuck in this terrible spot where they still matter so much because they're still winning. This should be a time. Mike Silver mentioned on our air that, you know, they're gonna look at blowing things up possibly. But they're in first place, so it's like this endless cycle where I don't think this I think five wins is gonna win them this division with that tie. If you look at all the schedules, if they can scrape two more wins out, it's like this purgatory. But I think what's similar about the top of the list is if your quarterback if your franchise quarterback or the guy you were hoping to be is a problem I think that's the worst spot you can be. They're in this in-between where they have old players worth a ton of money, like making a ton of money, and this should have been a go year. And it just feels like everything about this is going to be drawn out because of this division, because they might even make the playoffs. Like Either way, it just seems so painful and impossible, almost like how they're going to have to decide what to do. It's a pretty interesting departure from a couple of years ago when the
1: Eagles front office under Howie Roseman was this you know, analytics darling, that found a perfect way to marry numbers and on-field scouting and old football, you know, knowledge with new knowledge, and now they're they're a, they have a they have huge cap issues going into next season. It all goes back and to
4: Wentz, though. If Wentz it doesn't does. stink, then we probably wouldn't be talking about this. But it, they're going to have to make a decision there. Flip side: If someone told you
1: you only need five wins um, in August, you only need five wins to win the division, wouldn't that put you in a good mood? <laughs> but. I mean,
2: that's the thing. Well, I think I like to Greg's point, like if you win the NFC East this year, what does it say about your organization? Not not much at all. You, ha- you don't have the Cowboys on this list, but they I'll jump in here since we're talking NFC East. Uh, to me, they have to be frustrated because we talked about it going into the season it seemed like things could break right for them finally. It was all there, and they should have walked to a division title this year if if things played out the way they should have. They should have been picking up five or six wins in this bad division, and they should have had Dak Prescott on the field and some of these, Gerald McCoy and some of these other players. You win 12 or 13 games potentially. Who knows? But instead, the injury gods turn on you. Your roster is worse than you realize and doesn't have the depth to survive the injuries, and you go up in flames. So it's like this felt like in what's been an endless... Waiting period for the Cowboys to really make mm. another
4: run. This seemed like a year set up well for them, and they just were not able to capitalize on it. It hurts, Patrick. You know, closet Cowboys fan. I haven't totally even given up on them because their defense has looked much better the last couple weeks, and well, Dalton's coming back. I, I, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> how,
3: how is it? How is it going to get worse? Uh, is the question with the Cowboys' defense? And I like when we were <laughs> when I was looking at. Sure, tricks, but they, when I was looking at Greg's list, right, the the idea that somebody should be frustrated, right. So if we're going from the perspective of a fan base, you you, be, you can be frustrated, but who's who are you frustrated with? And, and if you're right. if you're a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, ultimately you're frustrated with the circumstance of your of your franchise quarterback breaking his leg, right? Nobody in theory could have prevented that, but you could have had your owner and de facto general manager pay that quarterback uh, because um, another thing that adds to frustration is seeing players who your team developed go to a franchise like a Byron Jones going to Miami who was a perennial loser. Now they're in the midst of a playoff race and the idea was you can't keep Byron Jones because you have to pay the quarterback. But you don't pay the quarterback, so what was the point? Of, of losing this talent, and now your your defense is giving up points, is leaking like a sieve. And and what do you have to show for it? You, you've got nothing. This failed season, in, in which the division is horrible. Like like you said, Dan. Like who, who wins the East? Does it really matter? Everybody's mad anyway.
2: Mark, <laughs> what jumped out to you on this list, or perhaps not on the list? <laughs>
1: Um, I I agree. I think that there's a lot of arguments that if you are part of the Niners organization, um, just you look at I gathered together, and I'm not going to waste 40. It would take probably a minute and a half to read off all the injuries they've had and corona issues. Um, there's like 46 names here. I mean, that alone, t- you're you're this you're the defending NFC title champions, and I would say that uh, to a little bit in the Wentz world, you have um you, this this season is a lost cause, and I'll tell you why because. Dan and Eric and I forked them two Thursday nights ago, so the organization knows that it's over for them this season. Uh, <laughs> but a larger a larger question looms. You've given seventy four million dollars to a quarterback for thirty starts over the course of four years, and I think you have to. You there are narratives and areas and possible future scenarios where Jimmy G is not the starter here anymore after this. Um, and you might be starting over at quarterback. Or if you don't, you've got to continue to probably play around Jimmy G, which at some point gets old if you're Kyle Shanahan. So you're, you're entering into an off season where a lot is about to happen.
4: Mm. I want to bring up two that it, maybe people would be a little more surprised around those. Number one is the Titans because, I, like, like you mentioned with the Cowboys, I think things were set up. We were starting to feel like the Titans had turned a corner. They were 5-0. and oh. They're 2-2 two and two in games that have been decided by more than a field goal this year. And they got pushed around on Thursday night. They got to play Baltimore and then Indianapolis again. Maybe they'll surprise me and they'll win both those games. Uh, but it doesn't. They feel a lot closer to just being another nine and seven team again with a bad defense and a bad, and an offensive line that's kind of collapsing right now. That's a bad recipe. And then the Saints. I maybe the Saints fans don't feel like this, but this feels like it's it for Drew Brees and the team's really good. It, and, it, and I think he's playing at a higher level than Peyton Manning was in his last year. But when Ian Rapport started like mentioning all the other injuries, and I think there's some that maybe aren't even getting mentioned publicly uh, because they're already getting in trouble with the injury report for not reporting his shoulder injuries and his rib previous rib injuries. He might be both shoulders. There might be something going on. Who knows? You want it. You want Breeze out there. He'd been playing pretty well. He had reached the top ten in the QB index, and I think they had have. I think they still have a chance. Maybe he'll come back to go win a Super Bowl. But right when things were starting to crank up, you lose him. Jameis didn't inspire a lot of uh, confidence last week. Maybe maybe he'll be better. But it's a bummer, I think, for that team who is more all in than any we always say like all in who is more all in than the saints being 100 million dollars over the cap for next year yeah. and breeze almost certainly being in his last year so maybe breeze comes back and he's fine by by when it matters but i would be fr- i would be a little frustrated right now after taking that hit
0: yeah, I'm I'm pissed c- off
4: angelo i'll
2: throw out <laughs> since you mentioned the niners um mark and and the idea that the window which seemed open shut very quickly and hopefully they can open it back up again. But uh, I'm I'm very frustrated right now if I'm the Ravens because there is a creeping sense of dread, perhaps that you know your window where you were supposed to go and win this damn thing uh, closed, and now you got to figure out how mm. to do it a different way. Because last year, I and I come back to this a lot because usually when you have the season that the Ravens had last year. When you kind of take the league by storm, you, you actually catch the league with the, with their pants down, is what they did on offense last year with that uh, with the tight ends and and with the running backs, and then of course Lamar uh, just being brilliant um, on top of it all. Uh, you just set the league on fire, and then obviously, unfortunately for them, things didn't work out in their playoff game. And now, who knows what's happening this year? Is that the league catching up a little bit? Is it injuries? Is it both? Uh, is it Lamar not playing at the same level? It's probably a, a combination of all those things. And it's still early enough where they can get things figured out and they still have a very high ceiling. But I would understand if inside that building and John Harbaugh puts his head uh, to take a nap on his couch in his office, he's like, oh, no, did did we have our chance? And the chance is already gone. I wonder mm-hmm. if they think about that.
3: Well, I mean, that being said, right, they are a Willie Sneed catch away from knocking off a team in their division uh, That's the last undefeated team uh, in the NFL. And not only that, right? They had the drive before that uh, against the Steelers, where they also had a chance to score. It was fourth down I- inside the red zone, and they didn't get that. Uh, That's so they, part they, of the had, problem, though. They, they had, they Isn't had it with them?
2: It's, it's that ability to kind of just make that well, play?
3: Well, the thing is, right, with, with windows in the NFL, the, the window is your window of opportunity. It's not your. It's not like a digital yes-no thing. It's do you have a chance, right? And, and they still have a chance. Um it's, I think they could win this the Super season. Bowl this year
4: I I really do but there are some signs that are worrisome oh. defensively offensively just in terms of they they are known as sort of like a tough team and they're no longer like when their offensive line starts falling apart and Nick Boyle is going to be part of that that to me ruins it all and they have not been able to set the edge. They're playing a Titans team we'll talk about it on Thursday, but that matchup is fascinating because the Titans kind of match up well to go after that weekend That said they're such a good org. Dan, that um, like I think they have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year, but they're not someone I see as like a, a window team because they have what I would consider a, a, a top ten quarterback to build around and an org organization that's shown they can be a great defense year after year. And so I don't like see them going away. I just yeah, it'd be frustrating if they come out of this year not winning the Super Bowl. Of course, um, after how good they were, but they just seem like one of those teams that's going to be around each and every year. Yeah,
1: here's the thing, though. I mean, the season, to Dan's point. It's the Ravens, so, like, the floor is different than what some of these other scenarios we're talking about. But Lamar Jackson mentioned early in the year when they were having a few up-and-down issues, like, people have taken what Tennessee did in the playoffs and applied it to us, that he sees it week after week. Last week at this time, he was saying the teams are calling out their plays. I think at some point they're going to have to look at their offense and say... Whether it's a Greg Roman issue or whatever, we're going to have to rethink how we attack teams because that shouldn't be happening
4: to a team that's going to go win the Super Bowl. Roman got fired pretty quickly after basically, you know, quote unquote, revolutionizing the NFL and doing an awesome job with uh, Kaepernick, and then it fell apart quickly and he got fired pretty quickly. I don't think that'll happen, but he just the way he does his offense, who knows? You, you Maybe know, if he you might finish that from, pizza. And,
2: he finished the pizza. And, the and I know.
1: You know what? I've thought about that. If you had had that extra slice there, but um, he's probably frustrated because he should have made a full push to get the head coaching job last off season. I mean, the Q rating is tumbling mm. by the hour here.
3: Well, the thing that works in his favor, right, is the quarterback was, was an easy spot to blame uh, when it was Kaepernick. And it's probably going to be an easy spot to blame again uh, when it's Lamar, uh, the, the way that people question them. But at some point, uh, Not
4: if you're the Ravens, though. Well, the Ravens yeah. aren't um, going to be questioning Lamar. Especially
3: think. especially <laughs> after that game against New England, right, where uh, other than that pick at the end of the first half, Lamar kind of did everything uh, that he could possibly do, and, and they still didn't win the game. Um, but on the terms of quarterbacks, you know, going through Greg's list, if, if I'm going to pick a team to, to be frustrated about, it's a team that already has their franchise quarterback, and the rest of the whole franchise is in absolute ruin. It's Greg's number two team, the Houston Texans, Uh, because like whether it's Jimmy G and Greg's top five or, you know, trying to see is Carson Wentz the future? Like nobody is questioning if Deshaun is the future, but just everything is in shambles. And like Tyron Matthew is on Twitter making jokes about uh, fitting the culture because like Nuke Hopkins got traded. There's just so many angles for a fan of the Houston Texans uh, to just be ready to flush this this entire thing. And, and I, I think that's my number one. It has. You know, they, yeah, they, they were
4: number two on my list because of that.
2: Yeah, it crossed my mind also when I was, when I was doing just the research before the show that Deshaun Watson signed a four-year extension before the season starts. Now, you signed a, an extension I think pays him nearly $40 million a year, so no one's ever going to say, I wonder if he's doubting signing that extension because look at Dak Prescott <laughs> right now. But at the same time, I'm sure he's, mm. he's obviously – frustrated he's pissed off Angelo that he signs this deal <laughs> getting himself in deeper with an organization that right now seems a
4: little bit rudderless and he's tied to them so
2: I'm, I'm really
4: I'm really curious how um the media and public outcry against the setup that the Texans have now and you know we've, we don't need to talk about Jack Easterby specifically anymore don't you do know, it, Mark. Yeah, we've yeah, done it. I'm just saying more. we've done it. We you don't need health to. health insurance. you got a dental plan. No, I know. A lot we, of don't, of we don't families. have to repeat ourselves. But I think yeah. it was really fascinating to see our guy, the, the Network Insider. It's in his contract. You have to say NFL Network Insider, Ian Rappaport. It's really true. The other guys are just <laughs> NFL Networks, Tom Pelissero. But... Ian's the insider. Branding, he, had, he had that report Sunday morning, and when he does these reports, he's always telling you something good, that they might keep Romeo Cornell next year, and that in that scenario, there might not be a GM, that it's just Easterby. And so that that tells me, like, they're, pr- they're priming the pump. They're either checking out to see if the public oh. totally revolts, Or uh, they're just like kind of trying to let everyone down easy that this is what's happening. When you start mentioning that um, they couldn't fly in people, you know, necessarily for interviews because of COVID for the new head coaching job. So you might as well keep Romeo Cornell. I mean, give me that was a very generous report for the Texans. I mean, What? 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 I mean, what? You can't, you can't uh, pick a head coach on Zoom. you you're, you're, you have like 30,000 people in the stadium. You can't do a head coaching interview? I don't know. What's well, going it's
1: on. essentially it's a coup d'état, you know, happening before our eyes. So you know, have have a nice time with that, Texans fans.
2: All right, check out the debrief on
4: NFL.com/slash Rosenthal. I'll tell our editors, you know, that is power rankings. Um, Property.
2: It's I, I I thought it was the IP of the Power Rankings, and you want to the Power Rankings is an important article on their website every week. I would think they'd want it to have a unique look, but apparently, you know, they have other ideas, and maybe I just need to get my opinion in there and shake things up.
0: I'm <laughs> pissed off, Angelo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we go, Thursday night football. Good stuff here. This is really good. Cardinals at Seahawks. Two six and three teams. I feel like there's seven thousand six and three teams in the league right now, and here's two of them, and they're in two very different places right now. Because the Cardinals, obviously, coming off the dr- drama of, of the Hale Murray, uh, just a brilliant win against the Bills, and the Seahawks. Now they've uh, you know they've lost three or four, and uh, they are they have a quarterback in Russell Wilson who has seven turnovers in the last two weeks. So maybe he's in a little bit of a funk right now, which they frankly, quite frankly, Patrick Claibon, the Seahawks as they're built, can't really deal with a Russell Wilson funk of any extended, uh, measure.
3: No. And when everything like the whole plane is, is built off of Russell Wilson at this point. And so there's, there's going to be fluctuations. They're going to be high variance because they don't have a defense. They, they lose to a Jared golf team. Uh, where the you know the Rams lose Andrew Whitworth and you wonder what their long term viability is at, at this point, but um, th- this is what it's going to be. Like we we knew this early on that this defense can't stop anybody. So this is this is all going to kind of be built on whether or not Russ can complete those balls. And, and you you see like the the pass to Tyler Lockett being uh, knocked away, and there's one pass to to DK where Jalen Ramsey played great. If if that happens in the playoffs, yeah. But there's there's only so many teams that can do that. Uh, they, they can match up w- with the Seahawks. So it's it, you know, it, it's going to come down to, to Russ making a play in the final moments, which is what the Seahawks always come down to. So, so I don't think they can be uh, too frustrated with their position because th- that's what it's going to be every single
4: year. I, I thought, though, th- I still think that their defense could get better. I mean, I guess I hadn't given up hopes because it doesn't make sense. They're usually well coached. And they have some talented players that if they can get to be average by the end of the season, they can be a factor. And that's why I I think that's possible. I'm actually more concerned with their offense at the moment because that's how they're built. Um, And I think this matchup is really interesting. First of all, it it might be the first time that two teams play in primetime in a month. You know, two times in a month, both games in primetime. The other one was switched because oh, of right. a COVID issue. It's a um, crazy but I love game. it. But who, yeah, I love it. I mean, this signed me up for all these NFC West games. But I think it's, it's kind of telling because I think the end of that game, when Vance Joseph started cooking up the Seahawks' offensive line with all those pressures, and the Cardinals don't really get pressures on their own, that set up what's happened to the Seahawks since. Because the, the Seahawks offensive line had no answers. Russell Wilson, surprisingly, for a veteran quarterback somewhat, had no answers. And that's been the game plan ever since. Even in the game against the Bills, um, which they put up points, they had no answer for the Bills' uh, blitz. Last week against the Rams, they had no answer. And you just, that's an offensive line thing, that's a coaching thing, and that's a rust thing. It's all together. And you got to expect the Cardinals to do it again. Are you saying let Vance Cook? That's right. He's gonna well, have to. He doesn't really have any players up front either. It's not like they I, they had a, they had any pass rush as we saw against Buffalo. I mean, they barely sniffed Josh Allen.
1: I mean, the Broncos gave him a chef's kitchen, and he did he did attempt to cook, and that didn't go too well. So I don't know if he should be maybe. <laughs> well, they gave him the, the whole house.
2: He's not a guy that can take care of the whole house, but maybe he can do some damage in the kitchen.
1: That that's a possibility. I like. I feel like for the first time since we've been doing this show. I don't know, what is it, 1,300 episodes or something? I don't trust the Seahawks. Hmm. This is the first time I've felt that way. And, and Greg, I'm surprised. I know this is what you mean literally, but that you're more concerned about the offense than the defense. Um, This defense, Well, because they can't
4: survive being an average offense, which they they have. Well, that would break the back, but it's because the defense
1: has been you know consistently horrible that game against um arizona i thought was such a, an effective show of what both offenses could do they they combined for about a thousand yards at the end of regulation but there was no stopping i thought the cardinals in terms of the play that you called unstoppable greg Kyler murray on the ground i mean he fried buffalo as well and i just i i don't like the trajectory of this seahawks team right now they were exhausted at the end of that game against the cardinals last time Winded. Now, I know it went into overtime. That game had 25 possessions. But I don't see why the script would be that different. That was like two weeks ago. It, mm. These teams haven't changed that much. And, I, you know, you get Jamal Adams back, but I don't think he's healthy. And, like, one guy alone is not going to make the difference here.
3: Uh, one thing that does help, if you're going to make an argument for, for the Seahawks, is there's a... Um, there's a reason, right, that that Alex Collins was off the street that we haven't seen DJ Dallas yes. uh, make a lot of plays, and there's there's this you know t- super trite conversation about what uh, running backs actually bring to the table, but like especially in pass protection with dealing with the blitz, uh, it, it's going to help to have Chris Carson back. Um, it, it's going to help Russ uh, immeasurably, especially a guy who who makes plays. Uh, leaving the pocket to, to, to have a to back yeah. out there. Yeah, uh, that's killed they can, them. They,
4: can do that. and they haven't been able to pick up short yardage. They're missing their starting cornerbacks, though, still, and they're missing their starting center very likely still. Um, and the, the Cardinals' running game, I do think they're different than a month ago. I think they're more consistent throwing the ball, and when they get Kenyon Drake back, That three-headed monster does matter. I think him and Edmonds together are better than just one of them. And they put up, you know, over 200 yards rushing. They are the best rushing team in the league because of Kyler. um, But because they have those other two guys, and they coach up the offensive line really well. I the one thing that can like uh, one little note on the Seahawks defense.
1: I feel you, you just come off a game with the Rams, a team you know really well, and the Dolphins basically I thought showed how a defense could diagnose Jared Goff and make life really difficult. Seattle took no notes from that, or if they did, were completely unable to duplicate that. So I don't see how you slow down this Cardinals team that feels like, I don't know what the ceiling is for the Cardinals. Would anyone be surprised if they were in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game with a chance to win? I wouldn't.
2: I wouldn't rule them out because I think Kyler Murray is an X factor in all of this discussion in the NFC. And speaking of Kyler Murray, um, my last thought on this game, we love – MVP watch. I think Greg has now cleared it. We are allowed to talk about this on the podcast uh, and on the internet. Uh,
4: is that clear, Greg? Is that are we okay?
1: Yeah, I mean oh, um, right, emphatic. emphatic
4: yeah, yes, not for Greg. super. A little okay. bit. We hesitation. Start. Start, we're starting around. Starting around that corner. Okay. Good. So anyway, primetime games. Big deal. Big deal. When
2: you're talking about the MVP, where it factors in. Uh, when people have to cast votes And I have it right now Mahomes at 1, Kyler at 2 hmm. Rogers at 3 Russ at 4 And then take your pick Kamara or Dalvin Cook At 5 That's my rankings for MVP So it, 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 this game Under the lights and Because they're different than the Sunday games It's different than a Sunday 1 o'clock game Don't listen to what Claymont says These games are different They matter more Um and momentum's a real thing and trap games exist this is all this is no. all real and Santa no. is real it's all there Wait anyway whoever um, whoever really steps up and balls out as a quarterback in this game that could that could make a difference an yeah. MVP watch
4: yeah I, I would have Rodgers one right now and Mahomes two hmm. um, but I definitely don't have um, a problem with with Murray and Russ being in there you know if they if they finish strong and the Seahawks are favored in this game. We're like talking all doom and gloom. It's worth noting in the desert. Um, yeah, oh, they're favored. I She'll think go. it's a, I thought, I think it's a total toss up and I, and I don't think it's necessarily cause it's a primetime game, but I do think there is something to the fact that the Cardinals are new operation. They haven't been in these big games um, we're starting to get to the portion of like their big game season. And I do think the you know, having veterans and a veteran coaching staff and all that knowledge, like it, it helps the Seahawks a little bit here. And they know how important this is. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we see um, the best Seahawks, you know, effort that we've seen over the last month. And it should be a good one. Great one. But this game Nerf- is going to be four and a half hours
1: long.
2: <laughs> it's good. I'll be fine with that. It seems like we could have another great game. It's a, a good job for Colleen, and I hope I hope she has one of these quarterbacks at the end of the game. If you put a Nerf gun to my head um, and had to pick the division winner, I probably would, despite all their problems, I would go with the Seahawks just because of all their big game experience, and I do believe Russ will come out of this slump. I think it's mm. going to go down to the last week, and, and you can make a case for – any of these teams besides the Niners but I think the Seahawks are my pick uh, where we stand right now i pick you
1: Cardinals Seattle second and the Rams I understand the Rams the, the metrics heads love you the Rams, hate the Rams so much no I don't I do not <laughs> I just I, I don't see it on a week to week basis I don't see the makings of a team that's going to go on a Super Bowl run I'd be I'd be really talking surprised talking division though just they, talking division I'd be really surprised if they won the division I, I like I, maybe I, and I get overconfident I confidently feel like Arizona's going to win this division
3: Ooh. In terms in terms of the division, right? I would side even with the injury to Whitworth, which is a significant problem in terms of their Super Bowl aspirations. Uh, I think the defense is easily positioned as the best in the division, arguably one of the best uh, in the NFL, right. and they have talent right at spots that nobody else has. Um, Aaron Donald is probably my perennial MVP pick as as a literal uh, as as a literal player that's valuable uh, in in a relative position to his peers to greg's point if it's all quarterbacks if all quarterbacks are at the top of your mvp list uh then what are you saying about their relative value with each other really um so i i would say you know call it the aaron donald award and give it to him every hmm. year because he's that much <laughs> better than, than than the other players uh, one- eileen rams in the division uh maybe seahawks uh in terms of hmm. threatening for the championship
4: the one huge ed- edge the seahawks have is schedule um, they have not played the NFC East whereas the Cardinals and the, and the Rams beat up so if if the Seahawks could somehow win this game on Thursday you, Set up you, really well. you, you get their little mini buy then you got the Eagles Giants Jets Washington before you play the Rams and 49ers at the end so if you compare the schedules that's a it's a pretty significant edge uh, to the Seahawks if they can if they can pull this game out especially when right. if
1: they lose they've been swept by
4: Arizona so right. I mean no it's that's huge but critical. I mean but you know it, it, you suddenly play Cupcake City and you take care of business and you win four in a row while the Rams and the Cardinals are dealing with each other and dealing with tougher games uh, that's a problem
2: right the path is wide open to 11 wins uh, at least if you can win on Thursday but gotta win on Thursday alright good stuff good stuff Patrick Claibon you've done it again you've said it all and uh You've done it at the level of uh, grace that very rarely is seen on this show.
3: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know about rarely. I mean, you guys, Race, you guys crank it out every every single every single time you're at the plate. I mean, to, to mark uh, over, over 1,300 uh, plate appearances, and as far as I'm concerned, you're on base every single time. So I'm mm. just, I'm, I'm glad to be not just in the stadium, uh, in the general vicinity of this uh, illustrious podcast. I think
1: we've fin- we've been through a few batting slumps along the way, but um, thank you for that.
2: I'm pissed off, Angela. All right. We'll be back on Thursday. We got, of course, the recap of Thursday Night Football coming. Uh, That's a mini episode. And then the full preview of everything to come in week 11. Both those shows coming up uh, this week. Uh, And also, you UK uh, listeners uh, and Game Pass subscribers, keep your eyes peeled. That's all I can say. I don't even know if I can say that.
4: Wow, that's a TV I think TV it's TV. Game Pass International, too. So, you know, you could be throughout Europe. You know, we know a lot of you are sheltering in place right now. I like the coordination going on that's out true. there between the countries. And so you got more time at home. I think it's all the international Game Pass I know. People. I see so yeah, the Irish the listeners land. right yeah, now. Irish, we, we,
2: We're not the U.K. We're separate, and you are.
4: Yeah, we can't even agree on numbers over here.
3: So congratulations, <laughs> <Right>. everybody.
2: <laughs> Australia, right. Germany. we got Estonia. listeners. Estonia. Estonia, Sub-Saharan Africa, course. it's Sub-Saharan all happening. Africa, uh, we're very blessed. Uh, Forty nations, to have all of you <laughs> listeners across the world, world. So please continue to listen and watch, and keep an eye out over on Game Pass. This is Dan Hansa signing off for the graceful one, Patrick Claibon the quiet storm, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood, our little TV star. Until Thursday.